Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 4 for 4 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, here for the Week 11 preview show with the man himself, friend in life, none other than John Paulson. How are you hanging in there in Week 11, Paulson? Yeah, we're uh, getting close to the home stretch here, I think, now. Week 11. It's getting. It's it time, feels closer. The trade deadline on Saturday. It's the time of the year where everyone is trying to set up their rosters for the fantasy playoffs as well. Although you always need to provide context with those type of items too. Because yes, Derek Henry has an easy schedule. But does it even matter for that Titans offensive line? So lots to discuss along the way here ahead of week 14. Uh, yeah, and then we have a pretty good game tonight too so at least it's not bears panthers again you know that'd be that'd be rough it is not and it's not the jets thankfully i I don't know how much more of the new york teams i can do in primetime television uh we are getting the stretch now where we don't even need to watch them because we don't learn anything and they're not they're not useful for fantasy so it's like oh i i'd learn nothing from this so just moving on anyways though before we get into that fun game tonight a Quick shout out to our friends at ESPN who have launched their new bet, new app, I should say, ESPN Bet. And by using the promo code Bleacher, you can receive $250 in free bets after depositing and putting your first wager down in the app. For more details, just look in the description below wherever you're listening or watching this show. Moving on to Thursday night between the Bengals and Ravens. Lots of injuries going around for both sides of the ball. But I think for fantasy, people want to know about this backfield. And I'm curious where you have Keaton Mitchell ranked. Because last week, we saw on only four touches and 24% of the team snaps, he still finished as the RB18 on the week because that's how explosive he is. John Harbaugh has also since come out and said it's his fault He had regret, actually, it sounded like, for using Mitchell so sparingly in the second half. And now, like we talked about with Devin Singletary last week, if you were getting the usage, that's great. And the matchup against the Bengals is the one we want to target since they're allowing literally the highest rate of runs to gain 10-plus yards. And so if we think we're getting increased usage for Mitchell, not in the goal line, because that's Gus Edwards' role and will always be Gus Edwards' role because he's too good there, but we think Mitchell can explode as a top 24 running back. Yeah, I have him ranked as a you know RB high end RB two. Uh, I think there is upside there. The, I mean, the, the low usage still worries me with only four touches. And you're talking about a backfield that last week had 18 touches. And maybe you can explain why you know they're not getting more touches to their running backs last week and previous week. It looks like it's total of 46 over the last two weeks, so average of 23. So if you if you assume assume 23 or thereabouts, maybe even more with this team. Maybe get Keaton Mitchell into that 8-10 to touch range. I I do think that he is overtaking, and maybe it's a little slow for our our tastes, but he's overtaking uh, Justice Hill. Hill did have 26 snaps, or 26% of the snaps, 24% of the snaps for Mitchell. So Hill's still sort of standing in the way of of Mitchell really becoming a viable every week RB2, which is what we're sort of looking for out of him, given his uh, explosiveness. I know people have some questions because they have running backs like Chuba Hubbard, Najee Harris, who are going to definitely receive more touches than Keaton Mitchell. 
But again, Mitchell's touches are so efficient that I don't care. Eight to 10 will absolutely allow him to outscore those individuals in fantasy football. So to me, I start keeping Mitchell over that crop of guys every single time. Yeah, I didn't know if I said uh, high end RB2, I meant high end RB3. He's in that, he's in those 20 range where you were talking, you know, depending on the, the, the scoring format, but it's a good matchup against Cincy, as you mentioned. For the Ravens, passing game interesting spot because we did see zay zay flowers pop back up last week with a uh i believe it was team high 26 percent target share nonetheless though odell beckham also brought back down to earth with only 15 routes the fourth most among their wide receivers and the only thing i had in my mind was that perhaps that happened because they had a quick they had a short turnaround and their most important game of the season against the Bengals tonight. So maybe they were holding back the veteran player to use him more since he was clicking. Like over the last month prior to last week, he had actually tied Zay Flowers for the team high mark and targets. Uh, any thoughts on Flowers and the rest of the passing game, including Lamar Jackson tonight? Yeah, and I think Beckham uh, picked up a knee injury or a knee soreness. That might have been the reason why they you know, held down his routes as well. Maybe there was something uh, along those lines going on during the game. He did catch a 40-yard touchdown uh, in his revenge game against the Browns. I think it's, I think it's kind of, you know, it's a little dicey to start Flowers, but, you know, given two weeks ago he had one, like one target and last week he had six targets. I mean, this is not big volume. He did manage to get five for 73 out of it. He's not a touchdown red zone guy. So, it's he's he's like a low end wide receiver three for me. Uh, I think this is a decent matchup, but not great. Um, you know, the one one solid guy that you can start every week is Mark Andrews, and even he doesn't deliver. Um, but it's the nature of the tight end position that you're going to start him every week. Uh, I think Flowers is more of an option, um, but he's not an every week start either, just given his lack of touchdown equity. Uh, he he's probably better in PPR formats than non PPR. And then Beckham is probably somebody to roster given the way he was kind of trending up prior to last week. And he did get the touchdown 40 yards, but uh, you're, you're just kind of wondering about his overall health and how much he's going to actually play. Roster for the bye weeks. I think once we get past these buys, that's yeah. not someone you want to bring into the fantasy playoffs as like a starter. That probably means an immediate elimination for you. On the other <laughs> side of the ball, since T Higgins is out yet again, we at least know that Trenton Irwin has been the team's third wideout in the last two starts in place of Higgins, a 16.4% target share, 13.7 fantasy points per game in that time. It is a tough matchup. Baltimore not only allowing the second fewest points per game to opposing wideouts, but also Joe Burrow and his last four games against Harbaugh going back to last year, including their playoff matchup, just 16.3 points per game, which this year would be ranked as the QB 20 overall. So not a great matchup for Burrow. Uh, I think we're getting probably another under here. But what are your thoughts on the Bengals passing game? Yeah, normally with Higgins out, we're, you know, we're feeling excited about Tyler Boyd or excited-ish about Tyler Boyd and and Trenton Irwin. And Irwin had the six for 80 in the last or eight for 60 in the last game uh, that Higgins sat. He had two for 54 and a touchdown and four targets last week. Tyler Boyd was like Tyler Boyd was the big winner. He had 12 targets, eight catches for 117 yards, but Jamar Chase did enough. He had 124 yards on six targets. We're just not playing the, the Texans this week. So the 347 yards, two touchdowns aren't going to be there for Joe Burrow. So the, the pie is a lot smaller for everyone. Um, I, would, I would feel like Boyd and Irwin are sort of 
throw them out there and hope for the best type uh, flexes or wide receiver three types. And Jamar Chase is even kind of a downgraded wide receiver one, but it sort of depends on his overall health, whether or not he's uh, locked into the top eight or seven uh, receivers this week. And as I wrote in the waiver column, if you were desperate in a tight end premium league, a deeper 14 team league tonight, we have seen Tanner Hudson not get the route participation, but it doesn't matter when you are earning targets on your little opportunity. And now the past two games, no tight end in the entire league has earned a higher target per route run rate, 39% than Tanner Hudson. So again, I don't think the routes will really increase. He's probably still a 40% guy, but it doesn't matter when you're getting five to seven targets on those routes. So if you are desperate, he is there for you because of injuries or maybe your waiver wire is just completely thin overall moving on to Sunday and let's begin with the Cowboys and Panthers because you can sense the frustration going on in the fantasy world with Tony Pollard's usage but at the same time although I shouldn't say usage I should say efficiency because the usage is just fine and honestly because Tony Pollard is getting slightly less usage and they're using him less in the red zone that has finally unlocked their offense over the last Four games for Dak Prescott now. A league-high 70% completion rate, 9.2 yards per attempt, and 29.8 fantasy points per game. The offense runs through them, and because of that, they have become a much better offense. And I would imagine it's the same thing here, yet again, against the Panthers, since the Cowboys are still double-digit favorites. And more importantly, the Panthers are a tough matchup on the in the running game. Like, if you cite... Full season stats, not you, Paulson, universal you. But if people citing full season stats do not understand that the Panthers have become an increasingly better run defense since they got people healthy after their bye. And in their last three games now, they're literally top five in limiting opposing running backs in yards per carry, just 3.3 yards per carry, and also limiting running backs to gains of 10 plus yards. They're not a run defense you want to target. So I argue it's an actually worse matchup for Tony Pollard than it was last week. Yeah, the, the adjusted fantasy point uh, allowed go back, I think, uh, 10 weeks uh, running, uh, rolling 10 weeks. So it, it takes some time. We want to have enough data in there to have good data, but then also it, it does take some time to catch up to what's happening. Uh, the one caveat here is Dante Foreman did, did do run decently against them, 3.8 yards per carry, 21 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you could see that sort of that type of game, maybe some um, receiving yards uh, for Pollard or Rico Dowdle for that matter. Um, but I I think this is the first week that I've had Pollard ranked as low as I do. I've got him at as a high-end RB2. Uh, it does seem like he is still dealing with some injuries and you know, just just the Cowboys scoring 49 points and gaining however you know 600 something yards from scrimmage and for him to only have uh like 55 yards rushing and not find the end zone is really uh depressing as a uh, pollard manager so uh, i think he's still startable given that it's a decent matchup and he does have some receiving equity but it's it's nowhere near where we were thinking that he would be at this point given he had uh first round uh, draft capital and when you look at like our breakout wide receiver model which 
basically hinges on usage and expected fantasy points. Expected fantasy points being the usage, but essentially how much a player lets you down in terms of what they should have scored based on that usage. If you look at running back expected points, Pollard is right up there because, again, he gets every single touch. Even this past game, he got three goal line carries. But it doesn't matter whatever you can't punch it in. And in the second half, Rico Dowdle comes in, gets one goal line carry, and has no issues. Is dancing at the end zone. So, again, it's, it's no one's fault. I still blame Pollard, too. I think it's the injury. A lot of it is that. Uh, maybe slightly some usage, but the fact is Pollard is not nearly as explosive, which we couldn't have seen coming since he had three seasons worth of data that he was one of the most explosive running backs in the league. The fact is he's not explosive at all this year. So he's not a player I think has a ceiling, but at this point, even at the trade deadline, you bite the bullet if you have him because the usage is still there, or you can buy low on him since he's still a 15 to 20 touch back in an offense that's going to get us there in the fantasy playoffs using our schedule-adjusted defensive tool um, for the Cowboys. They play, in from week 14 on, the Eagles, who are dead last in fantasy points allowed, schedule-adjusted, the Bills, who are 13th and getting worst based on their injuries, Miami, who's 23rd, and the Lions, who are a joke. Every stat you look at about the Lions' defense is completely lying to you since every potent quarterback they faced have had no issues moving the ball against them. So... Everyone asks me, like, which offenses am I buying high on uh, ahead of the fantasy playoffs? And to me, it is the answer is always the Lions and the Cowboys because those are the two offenses that not only play indoors a lot the rest of the season, but everything matches up well for how their offenses are really getting it going here for the second half of the year. Nothing to add. You don't have to you add. Summed it up. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, also, quickly on the Cowboys, just because he's out there on waiver wires, when you talk about buying high or trying to get ahead of offenses for the fantasy playoffs. I think Brandon Cooks is interesting. It, it could have been an anomaly, and that would not shock me at all at his age. But still, to pop up with a season high, 22.7% target share this past week against the Giants. Not only that, but they used him in motion a lot. Like Mike, Mike McDaniel uses Tyreek Hill, get him going behind the line of scrimmage so he can hit his full speed by the time they snap the ball and then get a straight shot ahead of the cornerback. They started doing that this past week, too. They hadn't done that all year. I don't know where it came from. I don't know why they waited until week 10 to start doing that. But they were using him a little more intricately this week. And he's available on waiver wires. I doubt anyone, any of your league mates are going to actually fight you for him. So I just think it's an inconsequential pickup. Add him to the back of your bench. And if he pops up again with a high target share this week against the Panthers, suddenly you have a wide receiver three and one of the most explosive offenses in the league for the rest of the year. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, Prize Picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prize picks even offers end game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now, it's possible. Just go to prizepicks.com slash accurate and use the promo code accurate to match your first deposit up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
The holidays are right around the corner. And what better way to please your family and the crowd than with HelloFresh's 15-minute meals? With HelloFresh, you can skip that trip to the grocery store and still turn around anything from photo-worthy charcuterie boards to mouth-watering desserts with pre-portioned ingredients that travel straight from the farm to your door. I've enjoyed avoiding that hassle with HelloFresh because all you have to do is pick your favorite meals, decide on a delivery date that works, sit back, and allow the food to come to you. And right now, HelloFresh is offering free breakfast for life. That's right, free breakfast for life. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash MostAccurateFree and use the code MostAccurateFree to receive one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash MostAccurateFree using the code MostAccurateFree. It's another reason why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. And now, you can score even more pizza with your pizza. It's easy. Just order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and become eligible for instant win prizes. And best of all, you pick the toppings you crave. I attended a live Scott Fishbowl draft over the summer and was convinced by a friend to try Little Caesars pretzel stuffed crust pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesars convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesars app and have your friends grab it on their way over to watch the game. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Pizza, pizza. On the other side of the ball, where do you have Adam Thielen ranked for everyone in this spot? Because I do have, I know I said this last week, but I'm not lying this time. I really do have a lot more confidence in Thielen in this spot. Cowboys running man coverage at a top five rate in the league. And, you know, when we say that, a lot more defenses go to zone. That's why football's boring this year, because everyone wants to play two high safeties. We should cancel that defense altogether to make football more fun again. But, and when they play man coverage, it's usually like 30 to 40% of snaps. Not even a lot. But the fact is, against man coverage, Adam Thielen is still 15th in yards per route run. He earns targets against man coverage, cannot against zone. So, what are your thoughts on Thielen tonight? Or this yeah, I mean, he, he's... Yeah, he's he slipped a little bit in the rankings compared to a couple of weeks ago. He's had a couple of quiet weeks. I mean, he's getting there decently in terms of PPR scoring because he gets all the targets and quite a few catches, but the yardage has been down and no touchdowns. So he, he does he is ranked as a low end wide receiver too this week, but there's quite a few good receivers ahead of him that I would just looking at the rankings, I would start them over him. Um, but He's still the number one target. It's a bad offense. I do wor- I do worry that uh, the Cowboys will be successful in kind of bl- – they don't have a whole lot going on in this Panther offense. Like, if they want to no. shut him down, they probably could. Like, what you know, what else is a threat out there uh, for the Panthers? I mean, it, you know, I, I don't even know how he gets all the targets he gets. Like, what you know, why are we not – triple teaming this guy and make you know Jonathan Mingo beat you or something so um, I do worry a little bit about the downside the floor against a pretty good defense in Dallas but you know the volume has been there for him and that makes him a you know a reasonable low-end wide receiver too for me 
Steelers at the Browns. And we are definitely losing Amari Cooper ceiling the rest of the season because Dorian Thompson Robinson is not ready to play professional football. We saw that in his first start. I am very worried about him the rest of the year. Where did you move Cooper down in your rest of season rankings following the default transition to DTR? Yeah, this was a blow uh, for all the huge Cleveland uh, pass catchers. Uh, Cooper still gets you know considerable um, volume, and I don't, but I, you know it's going to be bad targets instead of good targets, and you know that has him you know, sliding down the rankings into the high thirties uh, or high twenties, low thirties. Um, he's going to be a, you know, a volume based guy that you hope can get there, but you know, how many touchdowns is, you know, passing touchdowns are the Browns going to throw this year? How many the rest of the year, how many passing yards are there actually going to be? It's, it's tough out there to, you know, for a, a Browns pass catcher. Their defense will be just fine, but absolutely losing all the confidence in their passing offense. For the running game, though, we've at least seen interesting usage for Jerome Ford. Uh, even this past week, handled a season-high share of the team's running back carries. The issue is that they then put Kareem Hunt inside the five-yard line, which soaks up a lot of Ford's ceiling. So where do you have Ford ranked this week? Because I generally don't mind starting him. He's going to lead in touches. But again, his ceiling is capped. I mean, he's kind of like... Uh... James Cook in, Bu- in Buffalo, you know, he gets a lot of touches, gets a lot of yards, but then gets pulled at the goal line, doesn't get the touch- touchdowns. It's either for it's Josh Allen probably for, or Latavius Murray for the Bills, and it's Kareem Hunt, uh, who has, I think, three touchdowns, four touchdowns in his last four or five games. Like, he's been pretty consistent the goal line uh, back, and I think this offense is going to be extremely run-heavy uh, rest of season. They have a good running game. Uh, they should be able to run the ball on the Steelers who have been a little bit spotty uh, against the run and the pass this year. Um, but I've got Ford ranked as a low end uh, RB two and hunt is ranked as kind of a middle of the road RB three. I mean, he's, he's kind of a low touch. You hope he gets the end zone and, you know, 40 yards rushing type of a, a player. Now Kareem hunt on the other side, that backfield for the Steelers also became interesting because Jalen Warren was told he was a starter the night before this past game and did get the start over Najee Harris. And you could see that trend coming because now in his last three games, he's handled over 40% of the team's running back carries. To me, he should clearly be ranked over Najee Harris in every game the rest of the season, barring a usage change. Because even if Najee Harris gets three to four more touches per week over Warren, it doesn't matter because they are who they are. And Warren's the far more explosive player this year, both with your eyes and behind all the scenes in our metrics. So what are your thoughts on them in this tougher spot against the Browns run defense? Yeah, I, both players are ranked, you know, low end RB twos, high end RB threes. Uh, you know, I, I think Harris does have the advantage in terms of higher touchdown equity, but you can see that Warren has a lot more juice. Uh, but Harris, you know, ran pretty well last week, despite, I mean, it was the Packers, so their their defense is pretty suspect. Rush defense is pretty suspect. Uh, 16 carries for 82 yards. He had three catches for 14 yards. They both got targeted four times, and then Warren had the 15 carries for 101 yards. Uh, just looks like the better player at this point, but I don't know that anything is going to shift heavily in one direction. I do think Warren, over the last few weeks, I've had him ranked slightly ahead uh, of Harris, and I probably will uh, again this week. For the passing game, 
I know Pat Fryermuth is expected back this week, but I was not as excited as everyone else seemed to be. Uh, I had him ranked pretty low in my waiver options since a lot of people just dropped him outright. But we saw in three starts without Deontay Johnson, he only saw an 11% target share. And there's just not enough passing upside in this offense to go around for everybody. So I would imagine it's Deontay who continues getting there in terms of targets. George Pickens needs to score a touchdown in order to return production. And Pat Fryermuth, if you want to pick him up as a mid tight end too, in my opinion, like it's fine. But first of all, the Browns have allowed literally the fewest fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. So I doubt he gets there this week. And again, long-term with Kenny Pickett, I just don't know how I'm supposed to have confidence. He's a, you know, if you are in dire straits at tight end or you feel like you need some, you know, pokers in the fire uh, and you, you want to have another option in a few weeks, you know, Fryermuth is a talented player, did have a pretty good rapport with Pickett uh, last year. Maybe they get that going again uh, rest of season, um, but certainly not this week. I'm not ranking him as a, even as a tight end two this week, just kind of expecting uh, get back into the feel of things. Plus a terrible matchup. Uh, don't have any trust in him this week, but I think, you know, rest of season, certainly good that he's coming back. And, you know, there is some history there with these two that, you know, he's delivered low end tight end one numbers in the past. Maybe he can get back there again. The bears are headed to Detroit to take on the lions. And I'm confused and need some help with what you're doing with DJ Moore and Cole Komet. Because on one hand, like we discussed earlier, the Lions defense has failed every test they've played an above-average quarterback. They're a bad unit. But Justin Fields, it's going to be his first game back from injury, and the two games we saw him reach his ceiling before he was injured, that third game he was trying to extend that streak, were against the Commanders, and the Broncos defense before they became an elite unit the past month. So it was two literally of the softest spots you could ever have in fantasy football. At the same time, those two games, he had more design carries than he had the first five weeks combined. So it was trending in the right direction, but is he healthy enough to get that back in this spot? So what are you doing with DJ Moore and Cole Komet? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on uh, DJ Moore. If you just look at Fair. Justin Justin Fields' uh, projections this week, I've got him for a reasonable 224 yards passing uh, against the Lions defense. That is kind of a uh, pass funnel, uh, 1.3 touchdowns. And if you just if you just apply DJ Moore's uh, target shares when Fields has been uh, healthy, it puts him in the top 10. Uh, so I'm pretty bullish on him uh, this week. You know indoors against the the lions in a game where they're going to have to try to score to keep up because the lions are going to score on the, on, on the on the bears uh you know you got some other players in the same range with tough matchups so um pretty bullish on more and commit jumped up to you know from tight end 12 once i re-ran the numbers for for fields uh he jumped up to cole commit uh, at number eight uh the lions are 21st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends and they're 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed uh to receivers for the Lions, also an interesting spot because the Bears for the running game is the worst spot imaginable. Literally leading the league and limiting opposing running backs and yards per carry on the ground. Uh, at that same time, where they are getting exploited is by pass catching backs. And not only did Jameer Gibbs run 22 routes to Montgomery's 11 last week, 
with the Bears allowing six catches, 60 receiving yards per game to opposing running backs. Like, that's the spot we want to target is for Gibbs, who, remember, and two full starts prior, Montgomery handled no less than 70% of the team's running back touches and 75% of their carries in either of those games. And this past week, he was below 50% in both shares. So I think it's becoming favorable for Gibbs, although Montgomery's still a fine fringe RB1 the rest of the season. But in terms of this game in particular, I think it's a Gibbs game. Yeah, and I'm curious, do you think that the Lions won't be able to run on the Bears? Like the Bears will actually shut down the, the Lions running game? Or do you think the Lions I, might throw the ball more than they normally would? We have seen that Ben Johnson doesn't mind adjusting when he needs to, like that Bucks game. Uh, and I I don't I think he understands you can't like no one runs on the Bears. Literally, no one runs on the Bears. So I don't think they can run on the Bears. No. Does that mean Dave Montgomery doesn't get like 12 to 15 carries? Probably not, but I think he needs a touchdown in this spot to get there. Yeah, I'm interested to see because you know they played the, the Panthers and they don't have a good running game. Uh, the Saints have a, a little bit better, but they only you know ran it 12 times with their running backs, 13 times with their running backs, probably because they didn't get a whole lot of yardage. Austin Eckler went for 15 and for 29 uh, for the Chargers. Uh, Joshua Kelly six for 21, and then Josh Jacobs 11 for 35. So it's been last month a, a you know tough road to hoe for the uh, running games against the the Bears, as you mentioned. But you know you mentioned the the Bucks game; they had 40 yards rushing that game. Uh, Baltimore, uh, 84 yards uh, rushing, but they also, uh, in that game, just kind of fell behind and kind of abandoned the, the running game. Anyway, uh, I do agree. I think Gibbs, high-end RB1, or middle-of-the-road RB1. And if, I, the guy that I would be worried about is the, the the rusher that gets his you know most of his points primarily as a runner, and that's David Montgomery. I think he is still has touchdown equity and should see 12 to 15 carries. Uh, but there is a little bit of a floor here. If he were to lose any of those uh, touchdown carries, uh, goal line carries, or, you know, they have a tough time running the ball period, you know, that, that would really, uh, you know, put a, take some wind out of his sails. Cardinals at the Texans, everyone excited about the quarterbacks. I think the better spot for fantasy is CJ Stroud because this Cardinals defense is putrid. Last week, they did record over a 40% pressure rate for the first time all year, but that was also because they played Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. Before that game, they were still 30th in pressure rate. And from a clean pocket this year, C.J. Stroud is third in yards per attempt, and he's thrown 15 touchdowns to two picks. Cardinals also allowing a league-high 14.5 yards per attempt on throws 10 yards downfield, and Stroud has attempted the most 10-yard passes in the entire league. He's going to blow up in this game. And unfortunately, we just don't know who's going to benefit in the passing game because Noah Brown, two consecutive DMPs on Wednesday and Thursday, Nico Collins hasn't practiced, but has told media he's going to play. And then, of course, Robert Woods expected to return this week as well. So it seems like we would just go back to Tank Dale with the utmost confidence. Nico Collins, play him if you got him. But other than that, it just seems like we're going to lose Noah Brown after a couple of big weeks. Yeah, I think he might sit. Uh, Nico Collins is back at practice as of the 15th, but maybe he was... Uh considered dnp maybe he was just out there doing some some minor stuff uh but he did as you mentioned tell uh reporters that he was going to play um so if if no brown is out 
I think you get back to uh, Nico Collins and Tank Dell as the top two options with Robert Woods as the third. If Noah Brown plays and he's kind of he's got this hamstring injury or whatever it is, he's a little bit gimpy. Uh, I would think I would think his snaps would be scaled back a bit. Uh, Robert Woods might play a little bit more, but uh, Collins and, and Dell would lead in that uh, scenario as well. And so that makes that makes uh, Noah Brown a little bit dicey if he's not a full participant on Friday. Also, you can go back to Devin Singletary with confidence. Uh, the Cardinals, 19th in yards per carry allowed on early downs, first and second down. And that's important because the Texans are still running the ball on, on the seventh highest rate of their first and second downs. Not to mention Cardinals also 20th in yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs. So Devin Singletary, who without Damian Pierce, who also hasn't practiced through Thursday, has handled all but three backfield touches the last two games without Pierce. You just keep on starting him because it is yet again an amazing spot for him. On the other side of the ball, curious where you have Kyler Murray ranked because oddly enough, it wasn't the legs that needed to be shaken out. The scrambling was totally fine, including that six-yard fake handoff he had to James Conner for a touchdown and that amazing third and 10 joystick move where he just circled the pocket and came back and picked up a third and 10 on the, on the team's final drive. But it was the arm that he was inaccurate all over the place with. Uh, even missing Marquise Brown for what would have been a 60-plus yard touchdown this past game. So talk to me about Marquise Brown and Kyler in this spot. Uh, I'm generally bullish. I have Kyler ranked in the top 10. Uh, you know, despite the the rust, knocking the rust off, he still averaged 7.8 yards per attempt. You know, went to 249 yards passing, completed almost 60% of his passes. So if that's a down day, uh, obviously no touchdown passes is the problem there. But uh, he looked great as a runner, and that was the big concern, I think, with coming off the ACL is that maybe he would scale back or they would, uh, you know, reduce the number of times where he might take off and run if he's not 100% sure about his knee. But that that looks like it's good to go, so it's just a matter of him uh, knocking the rust off as a passer, and I think this is a, a good spot for him to do that. Much more confidence for me this week. Last week I was definitely tepid because not even the player analysis – I just thought no one needed to risk it because everyone else ranked around Kyler was in a as good, if not better spot. And that came to fruition. Geno Smith, Brock Purdy, and Sam Howe all outscored Kyler Murray. We didn't need to worry about it if you had those other options to start anyways. But this week, now that we know who he is and we know that the legs are at complete strength, totally cool with it. Go back to Kyler as a mid to low in QB1, although I would definitely start Stroud over Kyler if you have that option. Also for the Cardinals, because you are starting Marquise Brown and Trey McBride, obviously, for their usage. Uh, I think the interesting wrinkle is Rondell Moore here, because Moore finished second on the team with a 25.8% target share. But also he had an 8.1-yard depth of target, which compared to under Cliff Kingsbury was at 5.2 yards per target. So it's definitely volume combined with more downfield usage and that's how we get a little guy like Rondell Moore there so I think Rondell Moore too is someone you should probably stash I have him ranked in the waiver column if you want to know who to pick him up uh over and perhaps like he can get there under Jonathan Gannon much more often than he could under Kingsbury Raiders and the Dolphins the Dolphins being 12 point favorites and and redraft, I get it. Everyone's going to start Josh Jacobs, but it's going to be a miserable experience because 
under Antonio Pierce, this is how the Raiders want to play. They literally lead the league and run play rate the past two games. You're not going to be able to do it here against the Dolphins. You could against the Giants and Jets, but even the Dolphins are literally 28th in plays per game, but they have the highest touchdown rate on their drives. So in a blink of an eye, they score on you. You're staring down the barrel of a three-score deficit. You're not going to run the ball then. And what happens when Aiden O'Connell tries to pass against this defense who in the last two games of Jalen Ramsey is limiting offenses to the seventh lowest rate of drives to end in a touchdown. It's not going to go well for any one of the Raiders here. So love all of the Dolphins, Devon Achan included, since he's had not four games on IR, but six weeks with a bye to get healthy. And tell me about Devontae Adams, because I think that's the worry here. Yeah, I mean, I think with just on, just to touch on Jacobs, you're, you're, it's a volume play, and you're hoping that he can get to 20 touches. Uh, he's been seeing extreme usage, so even getting 18 to 20 touches is there's a that's that's possible, and he might see some catches, which would be and, valuable. Again, go ahead. And the concern from O'Connell is that he has two targets the past two games, so it's not even like no. good volume because like carries aren't going to get you there this game. If you have 25 carries, I hope he reaches over 50 yards because he's been inefficient all year. We need the targets, and so. <laughs> Cross your fingers because two targets in two games, that's not good at all. Yeah, he did have 116 yards rushing last game against the Jets. So that that's a strike in his column, I guess. Uh, as for Adams, you know, he's the only one in this passing game that I really would have any confidence in. And I don't have a ton of confidence just because of the quarterback situation. But he's getting he's like um, you know, Garrett Wilson West now. He's getting just massive volume from a bad quarterback. And he's posting six for 86, just like Garrett Wilson did nine for 93 in their game last week on 14 targets. I mean, this is what you're going to get. And you'd be lucky if you get a touchdown, but in PPR formats, you know, you're getting 14, 15 points to 20 points, depending on, you know, how many catches he gets. Uh, that's, that's what you're hoping for with Devonte Adams and Garrett Wilson at this point. If you have to ask to start Devon A. Chan, you do not deserve Devon A. Chan trade him away per my rules. The Giants at the Commanders, and the Commanders still leading the league in dropbacks per game as Sam Howell continues being a top six quarterback. He's actually had a top six finish now in four of his last five starts. He's been amazing because of the volume. At the same time, too, these last three weeks, they've added the wrinkle of getting the ball out of his hands. We talked about this last week quicker. And because of that now, over the last three games, it's annoying that really – no one has a ceiling in the offense unless they get there with a touchdown. Two weeks ago, he targeted nine players. Last week, he targeted 11 different players. And the running backs now are getting targeted at the 14th highest rate in the league in this span because he gets rid of the ball underneath to avoid taking sacks. And it's working. He's now down to only the fourth highest sack rate in the league, where as he was previously leading the league. But what are your thoughts here on the commander's offense with Hal? I would just like to take a moment and take a victory lap. And I know you were high on Sam Howell as well preseason and, you know, bullish about his uh, upside. He was the QB 28. Some, you know, some sites had him QB 25 in ADP. I had him ranked QB 19 and I wanted to go a little higher, but, I, you know, I was a little bit worried that he might crap the bed and, and lose his job in week three or something. But he has held on to the job and has thrived. He's the QB five. He's I have him on two of my teams and he's doing he's my starter. Uh, because of the other guys I drafted. Uh, so just just a little victory lap there. Had some bad calls this year, but he was one of my best calls. Um, and I would say just moving forward, this is a weird game because uh, against the Giants, it was a little bit worried about the Cowboys last week because of it. Like, how much are they going to actually have to throw the ball? But they just kept the pedal down and, you know, stack Prescott all day. 
uh, receivers went off and he went, went off. Um, so I'm interested to see like what the commanders do with this. Like, I mean, I don't know if they're good enough to just blow, you know, the giants out of the water or blow anyone out of the water. Uh, so they're probably going to just do their normal game plan that they've been doing, which has been a pretty pass heavy uh, game plan. Uh, they saw what the Cowboys did to the giants last week. So that there's the framework blueprint for how to beat the giants. And uh, we'll probably see another good game from Sam Howell. Um, it was a weird week last week with 11 catches uh, to the running backs uh, and both, you know, the top two yardage uh, guys were Brian Robinson, 119, Antonio Gibson, 42. Uh, so I, I think we get back to normal here, but I don't, you know, I don't know. He, he just spreads the ball around a lot. So it's not really easy to count on anyone in this offense, even Terry McLaurin, four for 33 on eight targets. Uh, the the usage was there, but the the results were not. I still like the spot for Brian Robinson just because we're expecting heavy positive game script. And even if Robinson does not get the carries because they keep their foot on the gas in this new offense, Robinson will be the one out there because it's positive game script. With Gibson still only playing in negative or something that's neutral. So, yeah, I still love the spot for Brian Robinson. I have him at 10, uh, RB10. Ooh, I have Robinson yeah. at RB10. And we're also... Uh, looking at an Antonio Gibson injury, he's—I don't think he's practicing, so that's something to keep an eye on. If he's out, oh. you might see a massive volume. Uh, for, you might, uh, for Brian Robinson. yeah, you would have to get him higher than ten if Gibson's out because Chris Rod- not, Chris Rodriguez might yeah. step in and get a few carries. They're, they're not playing Rodriguez or Frank or Derek Gore. There's no way they put those guys in for Gibson's touches. So yeah, we'd have to get a lot higher. Uh, I talked about on the waiver wire show on the other side of the ball only because it is quite literally no hyperbole. It is the worst week for streaming quarterbacks in the history of fantasy football. So the only thing I'll say is that Tommy DeVito at the very least, who finished as the QB 15 last week, quietly and relative to Tommy DeVito's performances, uh, that's fine. You will take QB 15 every week from DeVito. He, at least we know the last three games has scrambled on 20% of his dropbacks. He is a rushing quarterback. He's averaged over four rushing points per game in three consecutive games. That's the most I can sell you on Tommy DeVito if you are struggling immensely in Superflex and two quarterback leagues. Other than that, it's only Saquon Barkley, right? And it's only touches. That's it. How, like, I'm looking at Tom, Tommy DeVito's, because uh, I couldn't believe he was co- quarterback 15 last week. He has the two touchdowns. But how did they get two two passing touchdowns when he only had 86 yards passing and 111 yards rushing like how'd you get into how'd you get into the position to throw touchdowns i that last drive and i know this from experience because all of us playing dfs watched hundreds of thousands of dollars swing on a tommy devito touchdown in the final seconds when it was complete garbage time um it was incredible he got there very very late as he's done in back-to-back games now uh, well, incredible, but he's got does have a good matchup. The commanders are, I think, 31st and just a fancy points allowed to quarterbacks. I can't stand behind streaming them, but uh, uh, I'll let you make that recommendation. If you've seen if you've seen the streaming options this week, I promise you, like in deeper leagues, everyone knows what I'm talking about. You look up and like Skylar Thompson's top of the sleeper app, and you're like, wait, this can't be possible. There's just nothing else out there. So if you need to get there, I prefer him over Aiden O'Connell only if you need to get there. Chargers at the Packers, and you talk about injury shaking things up. Right now, Keenan Allen, I don't know if you saw his Thursday participation. If you did, shout it out. But Keenan Allen did not practice on Wednesday. Josh Palmer on IR. Uh, Mike Williams obviously done for the year. And so we just don't know 
how this passing game is going to shake out with continued injuries everywhere. I will say, if Keenan Allen doesn't play, remember, last year without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Austin Eckler averaged a 26% target share. So at least we have that in a good matchup against the Packers' run defense if those two are out. But your thoughts on Justin Herbert in this game? Uh, the Packers are really bad against the the run, as we know. And I think just from that, you're, I mean, you're starting Eckler regardless, right? So don't even we don't even mention it. But if you're if you're looking for pass catchers, I think Keenan, like the way I treat Keenan Allen is he's a vet. If he finished the game last week, which I think he did, he was in uh, uh, at the end that he's going to play the following week uh, until I hear differently. Uh, Jalen Guyton did have a good game. But he had four for 41 uh, uh, and a touchdown on six targets. Uh, he has played uh, fairly well when he has seen um, four, three or four plus targets. His last several games have been pretty good. Uh, so he is an option in deeper formats. Quentin Johnson uh, got a touchdown as well on four targets. Uh, but these are not, if 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 Keenan Allen is out, and we might also be without Gerald Everett, he's banged up as well with a back injury. You know, Herbert's going to be, you know, down several pass catchers, and I would be less inclined uh, to, to run him out there against a Packer defense that is definitely a run funnel at this point. Uh, reminder, the one game Everett missed this year, Darnold Parham, a season-high 54% route rate with four catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. So someone you can go to as a streaming option if Everett is out. On the other side of the ball, on paper, it is a good spot for Jordan Love. Like, we think this is finally the game he can get there. What do you think about his receivers as, I believe, Christian Watson has been banged up in practice, too? Uh, and they're, they're playing Dontavian Wicks more in on, I believe it was 30% of routes last week, which makes it a four-headed timeshare and rotation. So, uh, yeah, I'll go back to the Chargers receivers in a bit. I forgot to go more in depth on them, but your thoughts on the Packers. Yeah, we went, we went, went back and forth on Twitter, unless you have somebody running your Twitter, uh, account and, you know, kind of, kind of shitting all over or pooping or crapping all over. There's, there's kids in the room crapping all over Jordan Love's uh, ability. Uh, he is the QB 14 in fantasy, I believe, year to date. Bang the band, QB 14. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying he's he's the next Hall of Famer in Green Bay, but from a fantasy standpoint, if you have a the QB 14 and he's got the matchup against the Chargers, who are a massive pass funnel, they're 32nd and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, then he's certainly a streaming or a starting option this week. Um, the The... They're not going to be able to run the ball uh, maybe as well as they have in the last few weeks, which wasn't that great. Uh, but as far as the receivers are concerned, I have Reed at 39. Uh, I've got him ranked the highest. Uh, Dobbs, or actually Dobbs at 38 and half PPR. So I've got Dobbs ranked the highest, but those two are ranked very close together. And this is the first week that I've ranked them both over Christian Watson because I just don't, I'm waiting for one of these break fantasy football type games from Christian Watson. If I'm going to keep ranking him as a low end wide receiver three, I think you can run him out there. It is a great matchup against the chargers, uh, but we haven't seen it in so long from him that I'm not counting on it happening uh, anytime soon. Chargers have allowed six out of nine quarterbacks they've faced to reach 21 fantasy points. Again, I think it could be the spot, but Jordan love is still 32nd out of 37th in completion rate on throws 10 yards downfield. That's how we would get Christian Watson there unless they want to change his usage. Uh, I know there's coach speak going behind him, but man, like it, we would just really need to see 
entirely different routes and just layups from Watson before I trust him right now and like spots where we're trying to sneak in to the fantasy playoffs. So it, it's just really tough with these wide receivers. Yeah, they spread it out a lot. And then Musgrave's involved as well and, and Aaron Jones. So it's it's not uh, it's a target tree that's hard to define each week. Aaron Jones also complete confidence. Still 63% of the team's backfield touches last week, which is now back-to-back games with season highs in share of backfield touches. So he's the one we are still counting on. Uh, before I move on, since I forgot to dive into the Chargers receivers, like I don't think Jalen Guyton's the guy. He just happened to get there last week uh, against a soft Lions defense we talked about. Quentin Johnston still ran the most routes in back-to-back games without Josh Palmer. The thing is, though, if you started Quentin Johnston, I feel like we got away with one and we should get away from it because the fact he only had a 10% target share in a game that both Keenan Allen and Gerald Everett left for injury, like, that's that's terrible. That's awful. He just happened to score a touchdown. So I feel really lucky with Quentin Johnston more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Guyton is 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 a dart throw. Uh, I think they are both dart throws, and you know Guyton has in the in the past when he's had playing time uh, delivered. So, you know, you've got a little bit of. I mean, I have them ranked very close to each other. I don't know who's going to lead this team in receiving if Keenan Allen's out, or uh, you know who's going to be second if Keenan Allen does play. Makes a lot more sense to me. Yes, if Keenan Allen is out, because then you're just playing someone for their usage bump, and that's it. But Gosh, the last thing I want to do is is chase six targets for Jalen Guyton, of all players. That doesn't seem like a winning combination. Uh, Titans at the Jaguars, and we've seen the issue now that when Will Levis is under pressure, he's been awful. Even last week, two of eight under pressure for less than four yards per attempt on the season now, completing just 41% of his passes for four and a half yards per attempt under pressure. The good news is the entire thesis of onslaughting the 49ers offense last week was because the Jaguars defense is bad and they don't create pressure and they still are not creating pressure in this spot against Will Levis. So I have a little more confidence in super flex leagues. If you want to go back to Levis, not to mention Deandre Hopkins, who's still leading the team in targets against this Jaguars secondary, anything else to note for the Titans offense? Yeah, Henry, uh, this is a this is a pass funnel Jaguars defense. So I am I'm lower on Henry Derek Henry. This is one of those games where he could have you know a, a twelve for forty type game. I'm pretty bullish on him rest of season. I know you mentioned it uh, up on the top that uh, you know you were worried about the Titans offensive line, but his uh, rest of season schedule is really favorable. And whenever he's had, he's been you know I think he's had over a hundred yards in like three of his last four games, and you don't count that last week. Uh, uh, you know that was pretty predictable against the Buccaneers uh, to, to to have a bad game. So uh, I think this is another one where he might struggle. You still have him in there just in case they get it going, and you have you know you get twenty carries out of him. But um, this is probably going to be a passing attack for the Titans, and that that bodes well for DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not like I'm not confident that Levis uh, Levis can take care uh, take advantage of. Uh, uh, a pass funnel like this or have a good game, but uh, you know, he, you know, he showed it the first week and the last couple have been kind of a struggle. We also talked about the Jaguars last week, how the 49ers, yes, have been more prone to allowing points in the boundary, but it's, it's without Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley gets the same type of routes and targets, and it's not anything you can trust. So even in this spot, I don't know how you even flex Calvin Ridley, to be honest. I think it's a lot like Christian Watson, where I just don't want to play him at all. 
Uh, if you can avoid it, I mean, I've got him ranked as low as I've had him ranked all year at uh, wide receiver 36. It's still on, on paper a good matchup against the Titans. They're 20th and adjust, 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Uh, with Zay Jones uh, likely out this week, he's all, you know, I mean, not only does he get not only last does I saw he have Zay an, Jones, he was in an orange jumpsuit. So you say this week, uh, I don't know when we're getting him back. Uh, yeah, I don't, I moved him way down the rest of the season rankings. I uh, so. Yeah, and his uh, he's going to have a lot of time for his knee to heal, I think, uh, in the next a couple months but uh, i think ridley you know they're gonna have to figure it out i don't think they can wait for zay jones to come back anymore so uh i, I do think he'll get it going a little bit this week i'm i have him as kind of a dart throw wide receiver flex flex dart throw but uh, not a lot of confidence i mean christian kirk's got you have confidence in there and that's honestly it even trevor lawrence has been awful for fantasy hasn't finished any higher than qb10 on the entire season uh, so, look, I don't know how you have confidence in Lawrence. Uh, Evan Ingram doesn't have a single end zone target in the entire year. That's not where they use him at all. I don't know how you have confidence in Evan Ingram. You could start him, but will he score a touchdown? Probably not. So, I, I don't know. Like, it's just it's just a bad team and a bad offense. Yeah, it's Etienne and Kirk, and that's, uh, you know, as far as confident plays, that's about it. I would start Kyler Murray over Lawrence, absolutely. Because yes. yes. I, I don't know when and if we're ever going to get Lawrence there this year in fantasy. For the Bucks at the 49ers, uh, remove Will Levis' performance and just copy and paste what we said last week about this Bucks defense that remains horrible. And that is the fact that they were basically allowing a QB1 in the last month out of their bye prior to running into Levis. And now they are yet again getting Brock Purdy, who came just four yards shy of a 300-yard bonus last week, had no issues moving the ball all around the field. George Kittle even... It was the same thing we talked about last week, where a lower target share with Debo, only 14.5% target share. But we also said you have to keep starting them because the roller coaster you ride, and you rode that roller coaster with a 60-plus yard touchdown, a team high in receiving yards, but again, only on three catches because that's George Kittle. So to me, nothing changes. It's more the same stuff. Just start every 49er. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, Purdy is at twelve, and you could argue that he could be a couple spots higher. You you, yeah. you lose Ke- you lose Keenan Allen, and maybe you you start him over Justin Herbert uh, in a you know you just look at the two quarterbacks and you think Herbert's more talented, but really the numbers say that Purdy is a you know better fantasy play at times, uh, depending on the matchup. And this is a really good matchup for the passing game. They are. I don't, we'll see what the 49ers decide to do. The The Bucks are number two in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're one of the best, better uh, rush defenses in the league, but they're really bad through the air. It just throws, uh, it, it just pushes so many attempts into the air. So there's a volume issue as well as, a, you know, just an efficiency issue for the Tampa Bay uh, pass defense. So, you know, you're starting Ayuk, you're starting Debo, you're starting Kittle, and, you know, you're, you're hoping they all get there. It's what, this is one of those offenses where I don't know that it's possible for McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo and Kittle to all get there. Like one of them probably is going to disappoint if they have any sort of normal offensive day. But this is a this is a a game where you could see a mall scoring a touchdown through the air. And the fact that it is possible for them all to get there sporadically means you just keep starting them all. Doesn't even matter. Stack them all. Yeah. Oh, have sure, all four yeah. on your team. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah. We just keep playing them. On the Bucks, though, really what it's become for their running backs is if Rashad White does not catch passes then he won't get there either. But that doesn't matter because he is catching passes and he's the only really running back getting these routes and targets. So I think we still have the complete faith in Rashad White's at least passing usage here, getting him there as a RB2 this week. You're hoping for, you know, the 
the Bucks to go pass heavy, I think, against the 49ers. They don't, it's not a great match. It's it's a middle of the road matchup in terms of rushing for White, but they, you know, he's averaging like three yards a carry or something. So it's it's bad. Um, so yes, you're hoping for pass uh catches from him. Uh, you know, expected game flow would be the 49ers jumping out to a lead, the Bucks having to throw the ball, and him getting a bunch of dump offs and getting their PPR PPR wise. And I think you know, I've lost a lot of faith in Chris Godwin. I think I love him and I think he's a great player, but in terms of his rapport with Baker Mayfield, it's just, uh, you know, the touchdowns have not been there. He is a decent PPR guy uh, week to week, but he's not getting, he's not getting those blow up games that we, we would see with him uh, in years past with Tom Brady or even Jameis Winston or whoever. So it's Mike Evans or bust really. Uh, I know you like Kate Otten a little bit, but he kind of disappeared after a good two touchdown game uh, and, and the uh, the 49ers are particular particularly tough on tight ends so i mean you know, it's really mike evans or bust for me this week uh yeah that's fair you say or bust but again when you have a, a tight end like kate otten running around on 90 percent of dropbacks it just you just start him because again it's a onesie position unless you can find a better option but odds are you probably can on your waiver wire so yeah i have i have him at, i have him at 16 but he's the same as the everybody in the same group i mean i might like i might no nope, par him over not even confidence just by by default. Oh yeah. If, yeah. if we get par on by Sunday, sure. But right now we don't know. Right. I agree. Jets and the Bills. And yes, Bills undergoing an offensive coordinator change because they needed to find a scapegoat for turnovers because it's a dumb organization. Uh, but it's not the best matchup to do this. Short week for a uh, coordinator change against a Jets offense who has held Josh Allen to three of his four lowest fantasy points through the air the last two seasons, including week one when he threw three interceptions. Uh, I'm not high on the matchup whatsoever. Maybe they do get Allen a few more runs here and there, but overall, I think I would be confident starting CJ Stroud, let's say, over Allen this week. I've got Allen at four and Stroud at five. I think Josh Allen is the number one yeah. fantasy quarterback right now. Uh, I forget, but this is a bad matchup. The Jets are number one and just the fantasy points allowed. Uh, you bring up a good point about the short week and having to switch offensive coordinators in a short week. You know, you think you'd wait until after a Thursday night game uh, to, I guess you're, you want you you want to make a move after a loss and not a win, and presumably they win. I'm a little worried that I because I took. I mean, I, right now I've got the the Bills in the, um, in my survivor pool, so it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens here uh, against the Jets. I think that home they'll get this win. I mean, they're the Zach Wilson, I, you know, is, is trouble, uh, and uh, the Bills defense should be able to to contain him and the you know the rushing attack. Uh, I. A little worry a little bit about Diggs, although he had a good game against the Jets last time out. Um, and Gabe Davis is just kind of a, if you have to start him, start him, but try to avoid it unless, uh, you know, he's in a really good spot. For the Jets, still a little concerning because the run defense the last month, although their injuries have affected the passing defense, the run defense is still holding its own. Having said that, with Michael Carter cut to begin the week, I think we're going to get an every down Brees Hall. Uh, they, they've done dumber things, so I don't want to guarantee that. But I think we're going to get an every down Brees Hall. And if that's the case, like you still have to be extremely excited about him, not only this week, but for the fantasy playoffs too. I've got him at four this week. Uh, a little disappointed in his output against the 
against Vegas last week. Uh, honestly, like I, th- I was expecting a much bigger game for him against uh, the Raiders. Uh, apparently, this Michael Carter uh, being cut was about uh, Abi Abi Kanda, Abi Nakanda, Israel Abi Kanda uh, getting yeah. some Is reps, he? getting yeah. yeah, getting some um, at least opportunity to be active on game day and getting some you know opportunity to make, maybe carry the ball. They still have Dalvin Cook in the mix. I don't know how much Brees Hall's role will change because of this, but there's certainly there were some snaps there that Michael Carter was getting that could could go to Hall if they don't have confidence in Izzy or, or Dalvin Cook in that role. Again, like this is a team that signed Dalvin Cook, even though he was awful last year. So like if they actually cut Michael Carter to give Izzy a banacanda more touches, like whatever, man. Get get out of here. Just why are you an organization? If it's not all Brees Hall, you're just going to fail anyways. What are we doing? Goodness gracious. Uh, any other thoughts before I move on? I think I'm just upset Garrett, now. Start Garrett Wilson, double-digit targets if you have to. Uh, he's, a, he's a solid wide receiver too, but uh, don't expect a touchdown. Hope for a touchdown. <laughs> Sunday night, <laughs> the Vikings and the Broncos and... Oh, Josh Jobs is another one. I said to start over Kyler Murray last week because everyone went rushing upside. And here's Josh Jobs, who once again had double-digit rushing points and has looked awesome so far. The Broncos' defense has turned it around in their last five games. They've quietly been an elite unit this second half of the season, um, including being third and limiting opposing offenses to ending their drives with a touchdown. They've been very good, particularly through the air. But on the ground, they're still literally dead last in the league in yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs. And if that's the case, now we have Ty Chandler being elevated in place of Alexander Madison. Chandler, who also long-term handled eight touches to Madison's 10 before Madison suffered a concussion. So like we talk about Keaton Mitchell and among the touch-based options, we would start him over because he's more just more explosive than those handful of guys. I would still start Ty Chandler over Keith Mitchell because Chandler is as explosive. We just haven't seen it yet. And that's how I have it ranked. Uh, Chandler, 25. Uh, Denver is 32nd in just the fantasy points allowed to running backs. Their defense is playing better on a whole, but it's more against the pass than against the run, as you mentioned. And they got pretty shredded by uh, the Bills last week uh, in total between <laughs> Latavius Murray and James Cook. So uh, I... I you know, I had in my keeper league, and I need a run. Need a running back uh, for this week. I used the rest of my fab on on Chandler, um, and it did look. Uh, and I didn't feel bad about it because it did look at the time that uh, Al- Alexander Madison left the game with the concussion. He had nine touches, and Chandler had eight. So it looked like they were going to a kind of a 55-45 committee prior to uh, Madison's exit. Of the, from that game. So even if Madison comes back next week, we might still have a, you know, 10 to 15 touch Ty Chandler to, to roll out there once in a while. So um, I think certainly this week he's a, a sneaky start and excited to see him in a feature role. It's been, a, there's quite a few Ty Chandler truthers out there and I want to see if they're right. Okay. We, we can't be, I got to edit your column because we can't be calling a top, 12 option, probably a sneaky start like Ty Chandler. Just get higher. You Chandler. think he's a top 12 option? Uh, we're probably getting what 18 to 22 touches. They're not going to play uh. Kane uh, in, in Wengwu, right? Well, we don't know that. Okay, that's fair. He's still not a sneaky start. We're all starting him. 
Uh, for the other side of the ball, Russell Wilson has become a game manager. And because of that, he's leading the league in touchdown rate. Um, but this is going to be a rough spot against a Vikings defense that is still blitzing on a league high rate of dropbacks and Russell Wilson against the blitz this year, 24th, the completion rate. So Cortland Sutton, you have confidence in Javante Williams, obviously, since his share of the team's backfield touches has continued to grow in these last four games since he's returned from injured reserve. But beyond that, I don't even see a play here because I don't think you can start Jerry Judy. I think we're all tired of that. Only if you had to, he's ranked 37 Sutton, uh, Lots of touchdowns this year. He's at 26. Minnesota's 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. They're, uh, they've been tougher against the run. They're fifth against uh, running backs. But Javante Williams, when I initially ran projections, came in at top three or four. Uh, I had to move him down a bit uh, to nine. Uh, but I think he's a low-end RB1, given the, the the way that the touches have gone and how they've been consistently higher and higher every week. And he's getting some catches as well, and they're running the ball well. So this is a you know game where they he should see plenty of work, and he's a must start for me. Uh, as for Wilson, he's just you know he's in this middle of the road QB two type uh, ranking again. Um, you know he's in the Trevor Lawrence, Russell Wilson, Jordan Love, Matthew Stafford tier for me this week. I miss the Seahawks and Rams because I'm all over the place this week. I think that Jets. Uh, note really just befuddled me. So going back to the Seahawks and Rams, it's a good spot for Stafford who has been practicing in full this week. So we think we're getting him back at full strength. And we know in the last three games, ever since they acquired Stafford, Sean McVay has had no issues keeping up with Pete Carroll. Even last year, they had Baker Mayfield and John Wolford in those two starts, and the Rams were only outscored by a total of seven points. And then in week one, Stafford winged it around the field for 337 yards and eight and a half yards per attempt. Not only that, but we know the Seahawks are one of only four defenses running zone coverage on over 80% of their snaps. And this year, Puka Nakua has seen 67% of his targets against zone coverage for a league-high 49 catches and the seventh most yards per route run. So those are my leans. I don't want to go into the Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman abyss unless I absolutely have to. Your thoughts on the Rams passing game with Stafford? I was looking at the abyss uh, with Daryl Henderson in my in that aforementioned uh, league where I picked up Ty Chandler, so that's why I was picking up Ty Chandler. Uh, Henderson and Freeman will probably split touches. It's a good matchup for the running game, but you just don't know who's going to get what, and they're just RB3 flex desperation type plays. Um, I think this is a sneaky shootout. I let me let me throw a sample size at you for Geno Smith, a, a sample, and you see it's a five game sample. See if you buy or sell. Uh, in his last five games uh, since 2022 season, Geno Smith. He's played very well indoors last year, 320 and two at Detroit, 268 and three at New Orleans, uh, 210, uh, two, intercep- uh, two touchdowns and one interception at the Chargers, uh, 367, three touchdowns and one interception at Rams last year. And this year, 328 and two touchdowns in that win uh, at Detroit. So his averages in domes over the last five games, 298 yards, uh, 2.4 touchdowns, 0.4 interceptions, 9.2 yards per attempt. Outdoor average, 236, 1.38 touchdowns, 0.75 interceptions, and 6.99 yards per attempt. Are you buying or selling Geno Smith this week? First of all, you got to warn me when you're just going to throw 13 numbers at me. It's like a trade question, and people say 13 names. It's like, hold on. 
How can I actually comprehend this live on the spot? Um, I, I think of someone who had, I'm not going to say the number, X amount of dollars as I do every week in DFS on Geno Smith and Cash Games last week. Uh, you feel very lucky, like Quentin Johnston, if you got there, because that was not pretty. If you watched the first half and then saw the final box score, the we got so lucky that he went seven for, no, he went six of eight for 98 yards and a touchdown on his last two drives. If it weren't for that, it was going to be yet again another underwhelming Geno Smith day. Having said that, the differential this year has been when he's under pressure. That's been the big thing because he's, unlike last year, he's been awful under pressure this season. The good news is, though, although the Rams have kind of turned it around the past month before their bye, they still do rank slightly below average, 18th in pressure rate. So I wouldn't say I necessarily have confidence in Geno Smith here, whereas I was very confident he was a better play than Kyler Murray last week. I'm a little more skeptical this game. So I, I think in terms of your numbers, maybe that's sell, just because I, I saw him last week and I know I got lucky. I don't know. Would you start him over Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I'm I'm not starting Trevor Lawrence. The so I've got him at six I've got him at sixteen. I'm a little bit high on, on Geno Smith. I have him below good. Do- That's a fair number. I have him, yeah, I have I him below Dobbs. Now. Yeah. Uh and then I had Russell Wilson and Jordan Love. So I think I think Geno's uh, you know a little bit higher. He should be a little bit higher than where he's being ranked across the industry this week. Everyone also wants to know what to do with the passing game for the Seahawks because as we talk about Geno struggles, we're at the time of the year where the same group of guys and this happens every season. And in this case, this year, it's Calvin Ridley, Christian Watson, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, just to name a few, are in the buy-low models because the usage also does not provide context with their, how they're seeing their targets. And even last week for DK Metcalf, again, he had a 44-yard catch on the last drive. Like, we got really lucky to get 96 yards out of him. So I'm still just so worried about this Seahawks offense moving forward. Well, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, uh, Gino's uh, indoor splits are really amazing. Uh, so I'm a little bit bullish on this game. I think it should be high scoring, and that would that, that would do well uh, for DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Uh, Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba would be more of a desperation, uh, shaky flex type this week, but uh, you kind of need an injury to either Lockett or Metcalf. And Lockett did miss some time this week with a hamstring injury, so keep an eye on that. Um, but JSN is not a confident play at this point with both Metcalf and Lockett healthy. Now we can move on to the – oh, no, we can't actually because quickly, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, what's happened is that Charbonnet has earned a larger role. But again, we provide context. because I've seen people throw out there that like, oh, Charbonnet, you can now start him. Absolutely, you can't come close to starting Charbonnet right now. He's earned the larger role, but it's now more of a nuisance to Ken Walker than anything. And like DK Metcalf, you feel extremely lucky to get that 64-yard touchdown reception from Ken Walker. Because if you did not, since Charbonnet has run a route in over 50% of dropbacks the last three games now, and he's outsnapped the last two, Walker 41 to one on third and fourth down. Like Walker's not going to be seed targets anymore. So the fact you got that catch, cross your fingers, tell yourself you got really lucky and be very wary moving forward because Charbonnet's used just enough to be annoying and cap the ceiling of Kenneth Walker in every game from here on out. I, that's fair. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see Walker being ranked in the top three or four or five uh, anytime soon due to this. Uh, Charbonnet got the 10 touches last week uh so it's just as you mentioned a nuisance um 
if you just look at uh, Walker's game log, though, he's only had two bad games this year, and they came against Cleveland and Baltimore, who are fourth and sixth adjusted fancy points allowed to running back. So he's gotten there eventually one way or the other against every other team, and the Rams are a middle-of-the-road uh defense against uh you know fantasy wise against running backs or 14th and just a fantasy points allowed to running back so i still have him ranked as a low end rb1 i think he will get there uh, you know one way or the other this week we're already all over the place so let me get back into the sunday night game and ask you you don't think justin jefferson plays right as of right now no i he's, yeah i would be like 90 percent sure he's not playing i i well, I, yeah, I don't know if they feel like they can win this game without him or not, or if they just are going to just play extra safe with him because now they think they're going to get in the playoffs. So uh, they just want him healthy at the end. Um, I, you know, you'd like to see a full practice tomorrow uh, if you're even going to entertain the fact that he might play. In that case, where do you have Jordan Addison ranked for everyone? Because I know that's a real big pivot point for everyone this week. Yeah, Addison's a you know player that I've got on a couple of rosters, and it's kind of do you do you play him? Uh, do you not play him uh, against you know what probably well, is going? Options. To, yes. Yeah, play him or not play him against what would probably be uh, you know shadow coverage from Patrick Sertain. Uh Possibly not. I don't know how they will treat Addison if they if they treat him as a like they would Justin Jefferson as the wide receiver one for the uh, for the Vikings. Um, so it's a little bit dicey uh, if he sees a lot of that coverage. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think he is a middle of the road wide receiver three, and that puts him uh, in a lot of these start-sit decisions. I don't have massive confidence in him, but he's also a player that if Jefferson is sitting, he's going to see quite a few targets. And, uh, you know, he's been pretty good at getting a touchdown as well. Eagles at the Chiefs on Monday night. And for the Eagles, I'm not expecting Dallas Goddard to play. He has not been put on injured reserve yet, which I think is odd with a broken forearm. So maybe we get that news on Saturday since that's when you're supposed to promote uh, players from the practice squad by. But we do know in the past, Devonta Smith's target share has been bumped up 7% without Goddard. I think that's the real big winner here. Your thoughts on the passing attack in this game. Agree, and I would be a lot happier if the the chiefs weren't so good against the pass. I mean, there's 6.1 yards per attempt. They're only giving up 176 yards passing per game, 12 total touchdowns. So I get you. It's not elite 12 touchdowns allowed in nine games. So that's kind of middle of the road. Uh, but the, but the yards per attempt, the total yards are quite low. So I'm a little bit worried about that, but I think for Smith, I think he's certainly startable as a high end wide receiver too. AJ Brown. You have to start him, of course, um, but the target tree is getting a little bit more condensed even for the uh, for the uh, for the Eagles. And you might even see DeAndre Swift pick up a couple catches with uh, with uh, Goddard out. We know how it works for the Chiefs side of the ball. Every receiver goes into a rotation, including Justin Watson, who led their receivers in target share before the bye. Uh, we want more from Rasheed Rice. Do you think we get more actually from Rasheed Rice out of the bye? Well, in the past, we've seen the, the post-buy bump for rookie receivers. So if you buy into that, run him out there. I have him at 31. I think he's startable, certainly startable and fair at that at that level, given the matchup against the Eagles, their pass funnel. They're going to have a tough time running with Isaiah Pacheco uh, against this uh, Philadelphia front. So uh, they're going to have, probably have to throw the ball more than they would normally, and that should benefit Rice. I think Watson is an interesting you know, dart throw as well, but I just don't have a lot of confidence in anyone other than uh, Rasheed Rice to get there in any given week, obviously, other than uh, Travis Kelsey. And hope it's not a post-buy bump 
like Marvin Mims received, where he did run around on 76% of dropbacks, but he totaled negative yardage because they gave him an end around and only one target. With that being said, pretty sure we talked about everything we need to for everyone this week. What else will you have for everyone on the site? Well, Sneaky Starts is up, and Ty Chandler is a Sneaky Starts, my article. So if I want to call him a Sneaky Start, then I will. Uh, player. He's, not, he's not sneaky to you and I, John, but to a lot of people out there, oh, Ty Chandler's starting, my Madison's out. Like, they don't know what's going on. So, yeah, he's a Sneaky Start. <laughs> Plug him in. 32nd, uh, and Justin Fayette's points allowed are the uh, Denver Broncos. So I just want to plug that one more time. And, of course, I, I'm doing a uh, Discord chat here at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific in the uh, 444 subscriber discord. So get in there and ask a question if you have one. And remember, we will be back for your start sets for the DFS show tomorrow ahead of the holidays as well. Not to mention moving things around for next week too, but don't ask us yet when those shows are. We'll figure it out over the weekend. So until then, enjoy the first weekend before Thanksgiving. We will be back as always next week as well. See you tomorrow, and I'm just trying to close the show at this point. Be a little bit kinder. What's required? Good luck.